I'm going to warn you, I'm going to be a little emotional. <laughs> so, anyway. Some of those people um, that you saw on the video are, are pastors you've never met before. But they have been just as much a part of this as all of you. And uh, grateful for that support uh, that we get from them. And um, anyway, it's nice to hear those, those kinds of things. Thanks for being with us today. I, I'm just, oh man, five years. I can hardly believe it. Um, although I, I will say this, and you've heard me say this before, but I, I feel like we kind of lost last year a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. But that's, it's still been five years of partnering with you and, and seeing um, the things that God has in store for us. And I, you know, I watched that video and I, I think to myself, <clears throat> if you think that Thrive Church is, is just about coming to church on Sunday, God is going to mess you up. <laughs> because you are part of something so much bigger and something that goes um, all across the country and uh, people who we cheer on them, they cheer on us, and that's the way it's supposed to be. So I'm going to take a little bit of time. I'm going to look backwards and I'm going to look forwards today. And yes, like I said, I'm probably going to get a little emotional, but that's all right. <clears throat> um, so five years ago, 30 people, about 30 people, made a courageous decision to start a new work somewhere in South Tulsa, Broken Arrow. And I say somewhere because, um, yeah, we did some events in different parts of the city. We ran experiments, lots of experiments. We tried all kinds of different things. There were plenty of changes. We bounced around to a couple of different schools. Uh, and every time I think we moved, we grew just a little bit bigger and and um, there was a few tears along the way, but it was mostly laughter, I would say. Um, and, and as we grew, uh, it got to be fun. Because here's the thing, we tripled in size in the first three years. Tripled in size. And, and it, was, it was amazing, because you never knew who was going to show up on Sunday, and it was, ah, we just, we had a good time. And I look back, and I realize just how much fun it's been. Now, now like I said, not... Not without its challenges. In fact, uh, every now and then, Dan and I will look at each other and say, plant a church, they said. It'll be fun, they said, through clenched teeth. No, I'm just kidding. But it has been. It's been a real joy to do this. And um, we were looking at making another change in our, in our location um, to move here, to Tulsa Ballet, uh, back in uh, uh, late 2019, early 2020. And um, two weeks before the move here, the excitement was growing. It was really building. And then COVID. Now, just as a little aside, I have had the privilege of talking with pastors across the country, from the Pacific Northwest all the way down to the Southeast. And I don't know a single pastor who has not uttered that same phrase, and then COVID. Because it kind of, I was going to say it was going to pump the brakes, but it didn't pump the brakes. Somebody stomped on it. And all of a sudden, everything just kind of ground to a halt very quickly. 
And so we had to we had to shift. We had to make a major shift. We had to do it online, just like a lot of other churches. But thanks to um, the technical wizardry of Dan Farkas, we were able to get online um, within that first week. And I am so thankful that we had the location at um, um, 81st and Aspen, what we call Thrive Space, because it became a makeshift studio for us. And I think um, Dan and I worked more in those first few months than we had ever done before. I, everybody did. I mean, um, we have friends around the country who said the same thing. But I'm so glad that we had that. And I think we handled it well overall um, because we, we actually extended our reach. We had people who were tuning in around the country, and not all of it were just our families checking things out, although some of them were. Um, I have a friend of mine from, from high school, and uh, he sent me a note on Facebook, and he said, hey, I caught your service the other day. And I'm like, well, that's interesting because you're Catholic. And I was thrilled that, you know, he felt like he could do that. <clears throat> and it's amazing how God can use even the weirdest stuff sometimes in order to, to, to make his point, whatever that is. So in October, um, as we reopened, we did, however, notice a shift that a number of other pastors had talked about. <clears throat> Um, some of you heard me talk about this, but nationwide, about 25% of congregations are telling their senior pastor they have no intention of returning. Now, there's a variety of, of reasons for this. I think a lot of people just really like watching church in their lazy boy um, sitting in their jammies. I think that's, that's part of it. And I know that um, um, some people just chose to use that as an opportunity to make a change and their relationship with a particular church. They wanted a different type of doctrine, or they, they had a different kind of theology, and, and so they made a move. It was an opportunity for them to do that. Um, and yet, I think that there's another group of people who just got out of the habit of going to church. Let's just be honest about it. I think that's happened too. But 25%, and, and we're seeing, again, this nationwide, that's the average. If you're in a rural location, it's probably a little bit less, more like 10%. But if you're in a metropolitan area, like we are here in Tulsa, it's like 30% or even more. And we felt that too. And, and we've had conversations with people. And, and those of you who are pastors here, you know, you've seen this as well. You've had those conversations. And, and, and then I start looking at a bigger picture. Because on top of all of this, it just seems like the whole world has gotten a lot more divisive divided, ugly, all of that. Whether it's geopolitics uh, around the world or if it's domestic politics at home, whether it's health, whatever it happens to me. And by the way, here's a little freebie. If you are not paying attention to what's going on in the economy right now, you really need to, and you need to start praying about it. Because there are things that are happening behind the scenes financially, that's going to affect everybody. I don't know if that's prophetic or not. I'll let the Lord sort that one out. I spoke with a church planter in Washington, D.C. just this last week. And he told me that he was really struggling with whether or not his church would be sustainable going forward. Now, keep in mind, D.C. Is, is a high-rent district. But there was um, something in his heart 
that was really bothering him. Because on the one hand, <coughs> he needs to take care of his, his wife and his family. And on the, on the other hand, he feels that God has called him. And on the third hand, because <laughs> it feels like a third hand, he just didn't know. And I know that he's not the only person who struggled with those kinds of things. Now, fortunately for us, um, Thrive is still in very decent shape, largely because we have a governing board who takes good care of us. And I think that's an important thing. And like you, I have felt and I have seen this kind of stress taking its toll on people. I, I saw this statistic just recently that four out of ten of adults reported depression or anxiety symptoms during the pandemic. I think that's generous to say four out of ten. I think it's a little bit higher. And even if you're not necessarily dealing with it full on, it's always playing in the background. There's always something in the operating system that seems to be, um, it's like you can't get away from it. Have you noticed this? It just kind of feels that way. And I've been watching um, the news, and I've actually had to cut back on the news just because there's just so much fear. That's what it is. And when I take it as a whole, I feel um, like whether we're talking about the world or whether we're talking about the local church, the world has lost its mind. <laughs> I was in the tag agency um, this last week um, getting new tags for our car, and I don't know how the, the, the conversation came up. I have no idea. But the woman behind the counter said, I think we're just getting closer to Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And she goes, Jesus is coming back any time now because this is messed up. <laughs> That's the way she put it. And I, I couldn't disagree. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, okay, yeah, there's that. Are things dire? Maybe. Maybe they're dire. But God is still on the throne. And if you are a believer and follower of Jesus, if you have to remind yourself of that verbally out loud, you need to do that. Because here's the thing I want you to remember. Pandemic, coronavirus, geopolitics, politics in general, all of it does not surprise God. He's not shocked. He's not wringing his hands wondering what, what we're going to do next. Doesn't surprise him. And if we serve a God of redemption, and by the way, we do, just FYI, we're covered. We're, we're covered. He's not surprised, and we're covered because he's still on the throne. And here's the other thought, and this is what occurs to me, and this is the thing that, i got to be honest, sometimes keeps me up at night a little bit, and I don't mean in a bad way, I mean in a really good way. But I really wonder if just maybe, in spite of all of this mess, all this foolishness, all of this nonsense, that God might be up to something. That in his redemptive power, he's got an idea. And you know what? Normal might not come back. And maybe that's a good thing. We just haven't realized it yet. And this might be an opportunity for all of us. 
In August, um, I took a sabbatical, a lot of you know that, and I found myself thinking about the basics, the fundamentals of faith. You know, the little things that Jesus taught here and there. Um, I think sometimes we overcomplicate things. I know I do, but you know, you're, you probably got it all worked out. I don't. And so I find that I often have to go back to the, the very basics. And in one of the most famous blocks of teaching, Jesus makes a stunning declaration, and I want to talk about it. So it's early on in the book of Matthew. Jesus sees this large crowd, and he climbs up on a mountain, and he begins um, to do some teaching. And there's like, you know, uh, chapter 5, 6, and 7, so we've got three chapters And in fact, scholars call it the Sermon on the Mount because he's up on a mountainside and he's talking to everybody. But in in early on, in in chapter five, he makes this statement to this group of people. He says, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, how many of you have seen this one before? I mean, this is a fairly famous passage, right? You know, you are light and order. You know, the previous one is, you know, you are salt and everyone's trying to figure out what it means to lose your saltiness. But I think sometimes in our, in our, in our desire to understand the, the intricacies and nuances of that passage, we miss this one. Because you are light of the world. And I want you to notice a couple of things. First of all, he says you are light of the world. Now, yes, he chose salt as one of the metaphors. Now he's choosing light as the other one. But what is light ultimately? There are a lot of things that we could say about the characteristics of light. We can, we can talk about all of that. But ultimately, light illuminates things. I don't see the light, but the light helps me to see. Does that make sense? It illuminates things. It allows us to see a bigger picture. It allows us to not stumble around through things. Illuminate, and if you are light, part of your job is to help people see a bigger picture that God is still on the throne and he ain't surprised by all of this foolishness. That's part of your job. One of the great joys that I've had just living as a Christian is to offer um, a different perspective on things. Some of you, um, where you've been at, at weddings that I've done and whatnot, I will, I will often tell the bride and groom, I'm like, I am not here to convert you. I am here to offer a spiritual perspective on what's going on in this moment. And we talk very clearly about the fact that you've got a, a, a man and woman who are choosing each other. That's the basics. That's the fundamentals. That's illuminating the moment. And so when we get to church on Sunday, allow me to illuminate. We are here to worship a God who is still on the throne. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. Dan cannot worship for you. You've got to worship for yourself. And however you choose to do that is great. But you have to worship for yourself. That's what being light is. It's to illuminate these things that are going on around us and to be reminded that that this isn't all there is. In fact, I'll say this. Sometimes Christians are accused of being narrow-minded. Have you heard this before? 
which I find ab- absolutely ridiculous because at least I am open to the fact that there might be something beyond what my senses can take in. That there is another realm. That there is life after death. That there is something more. There is something bigger. There is something that I don't fully understand. Gee, that sounds like pretty open-minded to me. And, And as such, as light, we illuminate that. That there's something more. There's something going on here. Yeah, yeah, you know that thing that you're feeling right now? I, that might be God. And people go, what? Yeah. Might be God. The other thing that's in here is he says, you are light of the world. You are light of the world. Now, I want you to think for a moment. <clears throat> think of the context. Jesus, crowd of people from all walks of life. There's religious leaders, there's non-religious leaders, there's probably in-laws and outlaws and all that kind of stuff going on. And he sees all of them and he points at them and he says, you are light. You. Not the religious leaders in Jerusalem. Not the Sanhedrin. You are light of the world. And that you echoes down through the millennia to right at this moment, you, all of you, all of you online, are light of the world. You have a role to play. You get to do this. Remember when you were on the playground and you were picking teams and how you just, there were certain people that you just wish they would have picked you? Right? Guess what? God picked you. You're on the team. Oh, and there's no plan B. You're it. You are the light of the world. You've got a part to play in this. Don't miss that little you. That little pronoun in there is really important. You are light of the world. There is something that you have to do, and oh man, is it good. You get to be a part of that. You get to do it. We often pray here on Sunday mornings that we get to do this, and it's so exciting, and I really like it. And don't hide your light. Don't hide it. It, You know, it's pretty clear here. It's like, you know, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. There's, There's a whole point to all this. And by the way, when we're talking about this idea about seeing your good deeds, um... This is not about blowing your own horn or patting yourself on the back, but rather as light, as a, as a, as a person who follows Jesus, as, as, a, as an ambassador, so to speak, of, of light, um, people, you're illuminating things. People will see the good deeds, the reason why you do stuff, that I have this love. We love because he first loved us, right? First John, right? So he loves, I'm gonna love you, and they're going to see God. Here's the thing you have to remember. People learn that God loves them because you love them. Your kids learned that God loves them because you first loved them. Imperfectly, yes, of course. The question of, of, of whether or not you screw up your kids is, you are going to. It's not a question of if, it's a question of how much. But the point is that what we try to do here is we try to point them to the perfect father. That's the, the goal here. And to understand that there is a perfect father who loves them perfectly, but they're never going to understand it unless you love them first. 
And that's why when we have this huge opportunity in church on Sundays is to love on people because some people desperately need it. I'm going to tell you a quick story. This is a freebie. It just occurred to me. I'm trusting this is the Holy Spirit. So <clears throat> some of you know that in our house, um, the, my wife uh, fosters kittens. Um, when I say kittens, I mean, we, got a, we, we have a lot of kittens in our house. <laughs> in three years, we have placed 50 kittens. Yeah, oh my gosh, uh-huh. <laughs> they're adorable when they're little. Then they grow up. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We had an opportunity um, for someone who was going to adopt a pair of our kittens. <clears throat> Really great cats, too. Very loving, very um, sensitive to human beings. They can be. Um, they're not as aloof as, as uh, some of the memes say online. <coughs> but uh, we invited this young lady to our house, and she shared with us some things about her life just in the course of the conversation. She's had a rough one. Um, estranged from both of her parents, kicked out, um, She's actually the same age as our daughter, and so it kind of hit close to home. And I remember just kind of, I don't know if it was a prompt, I'm trusting that it was, um, just tried to encourage her and say, hey, you know what, these are really great cats, I think you're going to be a good, a good foster. And she smiled. And then when we were going through with the adoption, um, she had taken some extra steps that she needed to, and I said, hey, by the way, I just want to let you know, I'm really impressed with the work that you've done in such a short period of time. I'm really proud of you for doing that. And Lisa told me later, she goes, she lit up. It costs you nothing to be kind. And if that isn't light, I don't know what is. Everybody could use a little bit more encouragement, especially right now. And just would encourage all of you, don't think of being light as being something mm, theoretical or abstract. It's very real. But just being kind to people because everybody's fighting an internal battle and you don't know what it is. Now whether or not this person or any person that you talk to actually glorifies God immediately, that's not your concern. Your job is just to plant that seed, to shine that light and allow God to do the rest. You're partnering with him. So the question that I have for all of us is that if we're going to be the light you got to have some kind of source for it. Now, in, in ancient days, you would have some type of lamp that had oil in it. I've seen pictures of them. They're really kind of cool. You had to have a spark to get that thing started. In today's environment, we got to have an outlet, right? Where's your power outlet? And there's no surprise here, but I want to suggest to you that really the presence of God ultimately is our source to be light in this world. You've heard me talk about this now for a couple of years. The presence of God, being with him privately, 
your own time with him. And I, I just want to encourage you to give him the opportunity to speak to you. I don't know what that looks like for you. Sometimes he downloads a bunch of stuff and I can't write fast enough. Most of the time it's just quiet. That's all right. But I'm still making the time giving him opportunity to speak. Publicly, we have corporate worship that goes on. Hey, show it. By the way, just want to encourage you to show it. If you love God, you might as well. Might as well show it, express it to someone else. <clears throat> Other people see it, and believe it or not, it encourages them. Um, whether or not you do this, and I'm not talking about anybody specifically, okay? Whether or not you do this, that's entirely up to you, but at least don't do this. <laughs> don't do that. Put a smile on your face. This is God you're worshiping here. Come on, enjoy it a little bit. Just don't cross your arms, so... Again, I want to remind you why you're here. The creator, sustainer of the universe loves you. He's meeting with you. He was waiting for you be, before you walked in the door. Yes, he was in the car with you. And he'll be in the car and he'll be at the restaurant that you go to later. But the point is, is you're meeting and you're taking some time and you're saying, God, you are worthy. Can you really say that in your own heart? God, you're worthy. Yeah. And maybe this corporate idea this idea of being together. Maybe that's what he means by this metaphor of being a city on a hill. City on the hill cannot be hidden. Um, I want to try to illustrate this a different way. And so, um, hey, guys up in the booth, uh, pay attention here real quick. Um, what I want to do, first of all, everybody take out your cell phones. I know you have them. Take out your cell phones, okay? Yes, I'm giving you permission. Take out your cell phone. Don't do anything with it. Just take your cell phone out, okay? All right. <clears throat> now, what I'm going to do is we're going to try and experiment. I'm going to move right to left, okay? We're going to see this. And um, something's going to happen here. So those of you who are watching online, don't freak out. Nothing's wrong. We're, we're actually doing something. Okay, guys, uh, can you bring the lights down completely in the house? Yes. There we go. Okay, so we only have the light of the, the screens, right? Okay, so over here, on my right, your left, those of you who have your cell phones on, turn your cell phones on. Okay, turn them on, show them. Yep, that's good. Put them up. Yes, okay, middle section, good. Left section, that's good, right? Yep, okay, there you go. I know you got them. All right, now, over here on the right, turn your flashlight on. Yes, come on. There we go, there we go. Middle section, turn your flashlights on. Turn your flashlights on. Okay, left side. So, and all of, you, all of you are going, are we going to start singing Silent Night? <laughs> but this is what we mean. Individually, you all have a flashlight, but in the darkness of the world, it becomes more obvious when we all do it together. That's what corporate worship is. Do you understand? Yeah? All right, go ahead and turn your lights out. And put your cell phones away. <laughs> Guys, if you lights up. But this is, what, this is what Jesus is talking about. When each one of us do these things individually, yes, there's light that's being shown and it illuminates, but when we all get together, it's undeniable. You can't help but feel like singing because we're all together. A city on a hill where greater light from many individuals. And my question is simply this, what would it be like to be a church like that?
What would that be like? You know, I look forward or looked backwards five years. I mean, I can't believe it. Um, I didn't have enough time to put it together, but uh, Lisa took some, um, had some pictures of our first Sunday. And the first thing I noticed that all the kids looked really young. My head still looked the same, so it's all right. But You know, <clears throat> my dream looking forward for Thrive has evolved. If, if I'm honest, it's evolved quite a bit. Because when we started this thing, what we wanted to do, and, and a lot of you remember this, is that um, we wanted to start a church that had an impact in the community in some way, shape, or form. Um, shape or form, and we used to do all kinds of service projects, remember? Oh my gosh, I swear we were doing one every few weeks. Um, it, it was a little exhausting to a certain point, but, um, but it, was, it was fun too because we were all kind of doing it together, and, and I have to say, I still want that. I still want a church that actually impacts a community. I want that an awful lot, but what I've learned and, and where I think my own thinking has evolved is it comes down to this. Unless the action is God, unless the action is led by God, unless the action is inspired by God, unless the action is anointed by God, unless the action is orchestrated by God, unless the action is empowered by God, it's not impactful, it's just activity. That's it. And unless he's the power source behind it, we run the risk of just doing some activity, hoping that God blesses it. And how many times have we walked away from doing something, hoping that God would bless it, going, man, that really didn't go the way I was hoping that it would go. Now, that doesn't mean that God can't use it. I'm not suggesting that. He's God, creator, sustainer of the universe, still sitting on the throne, and he might do something that you have no idea. But the point is, wouldn't it be better if we checked in with him first and then did what he said? Because then you know he's going to bless it because it was his idea to begin with. And so I really believe that in my own heart that, that we're not here to play spiritual roulette. Come on, Red 27. Come on, Red 27. Whatever your number is. It doesn't seem to be the kingdom of God when we do that. And it's certainly not what we see in the scriptures. We see God moving and shaking and doing things and people coming along with him. In fact, some of you have heard me say this, that... the official title of the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. And I think that it's misnamed. I think it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit and the disciples were just hanging on for dear life most of the time. And so here it is, guys, brothers and sisters, my church family. My dream for for Thrive is that we would be people lit up with the presence of God. I mean lit up with the presence of God. When we look at the Old Testament, the only identifying factor for the people of Israel was the fact that the presence of God was with them. 
that's it. They were a slave population. They had nothing. And yet the presence of God brought them up out of slavery, gave them a land flowing with milk and honey, blessed them as a people group, and the rest of the world is blessed because of, of all of that. People of presence make a huge difference in the world. I want Thrive Church to be a people of presence, a group where only our only identity is that God is among us. Look, whether we have great teaching, whether we have great worship, yes, I want all of those things, but when people walk out of here, if they visited, what I really want them to say, okay, something's different there. God's in that place. God is with those people. I don't know what that looks like but I want to find out. I want us to be so lit up with the presence of God that it, it just, we can't help but make a difference. That that stuff just begins to spill over on the things around us. And to, to have, for that to happen, it has to occur individually first. We all have to kind of make some, some time, make some room, make, make, make room for you. We were, just, we were just singing that song. But keep... Keep on making that time to connect with him. And, and what happens? What does that look like? I think that sounds like adventure. I really do. Because when God begins to speak to you, all of a sudden the conversations begin to change. Your prayers get a little bit different. And you start hearing answers to prayers. I'm going to talk about some of those in the weeks ahead. It's going to be exciting. Look out. Here it comes. But that's adventure. That's when God, God's prompted me to do this. Or I, this has happened before where you were going to have a conversation with somebody and you're all like, and you're all anxious and all of a sudden God shows up and something different happens and you're like, well, what just happened? And you get kind of excited about that because God was, actually, that's adventure. That's not something to be scared of. That's adventure. And collectively, when we worship, express yourself and make it easy for others to express themselves. What, does, what happens then? What does that look like? I think that's revival. And how badly do we want that? Revival, Dan says this all the time, begins right here in you. Isn't a story I've, I've used before. There was a rural preacher and he was talking to a farmer in his church. And the farmer said, I really want revival. And the preacher said, do you have a barn? The farmer says, of course I have a barn. He says, do you pray? Of course I pray. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into that barn and I want you to take a chalk and I want you to make a circle around yourself. And I want you to stand in that circle and say, God, I want revival inside the circle. If we want to see the power of God unleashed, you have to start with the presence of God first, always. Because that's where you get the direction and that's where you get the guidance. That's my dream. It's not worked out. It's not nuanced. It's simply what would it be like to be part of a group of people who are lit up with the presence of God that just can't help but being his hands and feet. That's my desire, my hope, my prayer, not just for me, but for all of you, for this church. But it's got to start somewhere. And it starts here, and it starts in our worship together. 
In a couple minutes, we're going to um, participate in this ancient ritual that Jesus himself gave to us. Uh, we call it communion, uh, Eucharist. Choose your word. And what I want you to do is as you're taking it, be reminded that the presence of God is with you. And, and I, don't, I don't know how you're going to say this. Um, you can come up with your own words. But just say, God, how do I be present with you more? As, as I take the bread and I, I take the cup, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you fill me with your spirit? Maybe that's the way we'll do it. At Thrive Church, we have what's called an open table. That means that if you're a follower of Jesus, this is for you. We, <laughs> we invite you to be part of this with us. Uh, if you're not a follower of Jesus, it's fine. You don't have to do it. Nobody's going to look at you funny. In fact, there's evidence to suggest that if you're not and you take the cup and you take the bread, that it might be detrimental to you, and I don't want that for you. But if some of this is resonating in your heart, even just a little bit of going, man, I, I really want to see what it looks like to be lit up with the presence of God, then take that cup and invite Jesus, invite the Spirit to fill you as you take it. On the night in which he was betrayed, uh, Jesus took bread. It would have been so common to be on the table. He just picked it up. And after he gave thanks, he broke it, and he passed it out to his disciples, and he, he, he told them to take and eat it, and, and he said, every time you do this, I want you to remember me. And I, I'm always just floored by the fact that there's no way they understood what that meant. Just no way. And then after the supper, he took the cup, and, and after he gave thanks, he passed it to his disciples. He said, take and drink, and every time you do this, I want you to remember me. Again, very common element, and he passed it around, and there's no way they understood what he meant. And we can look back retrospectively, and we can say, oh my gosh, he, they're so filled with meaning and, and nuance and all, all of that. But it's a simple ritual for us to remember the fact creator and the sustainer of the universe loves you and has a really great idea how you can join him. So as you um, sing with us, it's up to you when you want to take it. I want it to be meaningful for you. And as you take it, um, just ask God to fill you with his spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, you are here you have been here since the beginning because we believe that Thrive Church was first birthed in your heart before it was ever birthed in real life. And we, as a people, are grateful for all that you've done. We are so grateful for who you are and the fact that you choose us to be a part of, of your kingdom activity. And God, as we sing as we worship, as we participate in this simple ritual, oh God, fill us first with your spirit. We need you more. We can't be filled enough with your spirit.
I pray, Lord, that Thrive Church would be lit with the presence of you. There would be something truly different about us because we worship, because we make room for you, that we spend time listening to what you have to say. God, loosen our ears, open our hearts. And I'm praying right now that if there's anyone who's just dealing with with something that's blocking, maybe it's a sin issue, maybe it's some doubt, maybe it's toxic shame, there is freedom in Jesus and right now the Holy Spirit comes He's speaking to you. Lord, shake the walls, shake the ground of tradition and break down the walls of our religion because all of that doesn't matter. It really comes down to the fact, are we connected to you, God? Anything that is blocking us from you, break it down, just break it down. Lord, I'm, I'm hearing chains beginning to break and fall. That's you. That's all you. Holy Spirit, come. Amen.